0: Hi everyone, Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Thursday, October twelfth, two thousand and twenty-three. Lieutenant Colonel Karen Kwiatkowski uh, joins us now. Apologies for the late start. Occasionally, there you all know this. There are gremlins uh, in the internet. We think we uh, we caught them. Uh, Colonel Kwiatkowski, Karen, always a pleasure. Uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, wh- what is your take on the incredible military? and intelligence failure in Israel over the weekend. Intelligence that the Mossad, the vaunted Mossad and its colleagues in MI6 and CIA, you've worked with these people, didn't catch this coming. The Egyptians supposedly uh, warned them that didn't go anywhere. The troops were moved around at uh, at the border and there were just too few of them at the spots that they were needed. How could such failures have happened?
1: Well... They happened. So we know they happened. How they happened is a, is a question that uh, I think uh, the Israelis themselves are going to be asking. Um, the more we're finding out, the more confusing it really gets. Um, you know, you mentioned troops had been moved from the southern border, um, in, in fact, in order to protect some of the uh, festivities that were going on, uh, right. where the concert was and whatnot. So, um, you know, what thinking goes behind that? I don't know. I think the the Israelis themselves are asking. Um, as far as uh, not listening and not uh, paying attention to signs that uh, were there, clearly there, uh, that's a whole nother problem. So you have mismanagement both at the strategic intelligence level and also at the you know the tactical level. I mean, the border protection level. Um, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's tragedy, but it, it's embarrassing, I think, for the structures that we have there in Israel and in the United States. You know, we think we have perfect intelligence and uh, a perfect ability to protect our nations. And I think we're seeing both in our own case and, and certainly in the case of Israel, those assumptions were wrong.
0: Tell us um, how intel works. I mean, if the Egyptian intel picked up something, chatter movement uh, transportation of uh, ammunition who would they call and who would make a decision whether or not to send that information up the food chain
1: well generally they'll call their counterpart. so um the it's really pretty high up i mean lower level people don't necessarily uh, talk in between nations it goes up to a pretty high level before they make that phone call um why the phone calls either were not taken or were not um, given enough weight. This is hard to say, but I will. I do think just from what what we know about human nature, I think there is a lot of arrogance that uh, that impacts it. You know, you have people tell you things. You say, "Well, I know that. I don't need to hear that. Um, I already know. You know, we're the greatest defensive force on you know in the region. We don't right. need that."
0: Well, Karen, we're we're showing you uh, we're showing live live shots of uh, Gaza. So it's uh, it's six hours uh, ahead ahead there, or seven hours. Ahead. It's two o'clock here on the East Coast, so it's just nighttime uh, there, about nine in the evening, uh, and you can see the uh, explosions. Uh, the lower left is Tel Aviv. The, the upper two across the top and the lower right uh, are Gaza. Uh, our friend and colleague Alistair Crook said the same thing when he attributed the intel and military failures uh, to two things, the second of which was an over-reliance on AI and an under-reliance on human intelligence, and the first of which was arrogance, a belief that uh, we cannot be uh, penetrated. This was arguably, we'll get to Cy Hirsch in a minute. Uh, the, the the piece you sent me from Cy. Uh This was arguably the greatest intelligence failure in the history of uh, of Egypt. Even the sixty seven war and the seventy three war, uh, civilians weren't slaughtered. A military uh, was attacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, let me jump ahead. Is Netanyahu finished? <laughs>
1: A lot of people think that he is, and certainly he um, walks a fine line in any case. I mean, he's had to compromise uh, in in ways of coordinating with people he wouldn't, parties and groups that he wouldn't ordinarily coordinate with in order to retain power. His popularity is um, has been shrinking for a long time, and people question his judgment. And not least of which, prior to this, the big news, of course, was uh, Netanyahu's attempt to uh, subjugate the uh, judicial system in, in Israel. Um, and, and it looked to everyone that was watching it in Israel that he was doing this to protect his own hide. So, um, you know, that's not, uh, he's not well thought of before this, uh, this, uh, disaster, this defense disaster, this intelligence disaster, whatever it turns out to be, is going to be on Netanyahu. He needs to be right. blamed for it. And I think unlike in America, um, where we blamed no one for our 9-11 failures, I do, I do think that Israel will, uh, the people of israel and the parties of israel will uh determine who's at fault here and they're going to be done with him
0: i would i would think it's hard for him to uh, his um prime ministership to survive this conflagration i don't think they're going to change horses they can't have an election in the middle of this but i can't see him staying on much beyond this we have a clip i want to show you gary so this is um the neil cavuto uh interview where um, Michael McFall, who's the chair of the House uh, Foreign Relations Committee, uh, is watching General Kirby answer questions, and the question is, uh, were the Israelis alerted uh, about this ahead of time? You're going to see two different answers from two different branches of the uh, American government, executive and legislative.
1: Can you speak to the reports that Israel was warned by Egypt? I can. McCall from foreign affairs made that allegation this morning saying that that was something that uh, members were told in on the intel or on the foreign affairs committee. So has that been discussed at all? Or is that something you're looking into?
0: I can't speak to specific intelligence matters. Again, there will be a time to to look back at this, as we always do, and we will. Right now, we're sharpening the intelligence gathering and cooperation and sharing with Israel, as we should, since they're involved in active operations, and we're making sure that they get the tools they need. All right, so your intelligence might be saying one thing, Chairman. John Kirby might be holding cards close to his vest. His, and at the White House, says another. Who's right? Well, we do know the Egyptian intelligence did uh, 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 refer this to Israel. Uh, and I can't get into any more depth. than uh, with, with, uh, thanks.
1: <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes.
0: There really is no place like home.
1: That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be.
0: To my uh, former colleagues and still friends uh, at Fox, Uh, Karen, for him to say we do know that the Egyptian intel informed Israel... But he has a top security clearance, and he's entitled to briefings on that. Did he just reveal uh, national security uh, secret information in that interview?
1: Well, and in, you know, he's confirming what's in the news, um, which I don't think they really generally prosecute higher ups for. But um, yeah, he's he's probably speaking the truth. He, he's probably he's he's directly contradicting the White House, and. Um, that's I think that's important. And he's also putting fodder onto the uh, uh, discussion that uh, how did Netanyahu's government and how did how did its military fail in this regard? How did they uh, make such a mistake?
0: Did Netanyahu's government provoke Hamas by continuing to operate a concentration camp for two and a half million people?
1: <laughs> well, you know, um, the history of Hamas, is, as we know, and I think as many people know, um, is was an Israeli attempt to counterbalance uh, the Palestinian authority uh, that they weren't unhappy with years and years ago. And so, um, you know, they, they get their own terrorist group. We, we, the Americans have been there. We've had our own terrorist groups uh, numerous times, certainly. Uh, our history after 9-11 was an example of where we uh, worked with a terrorist group that then turned against us. So I think it's it's uh clearly that's part of it uh did netanyahu have something to do with that i think historically he may have which will again help to sink him but uh yeah the the provocations uh i hate to say um there's a constant push from israel to uh expand territory and this is not new Uh, it's been going on pretty consistently for quite a while and um the Peace process—you can't even call it a process. It's not a process. It's—it's it's much like a it's, its much like what happened in Ukraine in 2014. You know, it's a treaty that no one uh, really right. intends to follow. Do, so. do, does
0: the Israeli government want regional rapprochement, or do they want to subjugate the uh, 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 unfortunate human beings that live in Gaza?
1: Well, to me, it's very clear when you talk about shutting off. Uh, water, uh, electricity, food, energy, transport—any um, of those things—all at once, uh, with no discussion of what it will take to um, lift those sanctions. And there's more than sanctions. That's—that is a complete blockade. And you—and you're talking about doing it in a place that that is already isolated, already, like you mentioned, kind of a concentration camp of sorts. Two point three million people living in a 22 square miles, something like that. So it's, it's uh, uh, people that are densely packed together with everything they need, being able to be shut off by the Israelis. And then the Israeli government has decided to shut it all off um, without any, you know, it's not like we're going to shut it off. No, they're shutting it off and then they'll talk later. That is, um, uh, well, I hate to agree with Biden, but it, it does sound like uh, the rules of war, um, if we have rules of war, are being ignored here. And, of course, well, from the Israeli perspective, you know, they were they received this horrendous, horrendous reti- attack. That, that didn't abide by the rules of war either. But um, it's, uh, it's hard to say with the history here who has uh, the responsibility. I think everyone has the responsibility to work for peace here.
0: Is there a danger in uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's overreaction. I mean, put aside that some of this is a war crime, if they intentionally or or randomly or with indifference uh, slaughter uh, innocents, just as Hamas did, um, there's going to be some sort of blowback, whether it's internationally or domestically, to that type of uh, overreaction. Uh, Surely the concept of collective punishment starving two and a half million people by not allowing them to have water, electricity, or food simply cannot be justified morally, legally, politically, or militarily.
1: Yeah. No, that's true. It can't be justified. What what does uh, drive it to some extent, though, is a desire to make the problem go away. And that means make 2.3 million people go away, whether they become refugees or they die. and then to take over that territory as part of uh, Israel, because I hate to say it, but the pattern in the past has been to ratchet more and more territory at every at every opportunity. In fact, that's part of what was going on in the South uh, where they were attacked. I mean, they were celebrating uh, in, into territory that really technically, uh, you know, is, was occupied territory and they're having celebrations. The uh, Israelis are celebrating there and and you know, it's good to celebrate, but uh it reflects this uh incessant expansion of Israeli territory. And I, I see um this could be an opportunity for them to take Gaza completely and change it from a concentration camp to a place where um they can put settlements because and because there are no one there's no one there. There's no one there to stop them. I don't know. I hope that's not what they're thinking, but um it looks like it.
0: All right. So one of the Israeli generals said uh, in the past 48 hours, when we're finished, there will be no buildings standing. Whoever lives there will be living in tents. The um, security minister, I guess that's the rough equivalent of their FBI uh, director, says, who cares? Uh, The Palestinians are subhumans. Now, uh, Netanyahu was not going to speak that recklessly. But if that is an animating cultural force, behind what's uh, happening. Uh, Clearly, this is a gross, immoral, illegal uh, overreaction, and an overreaction produces another reaction, as we all know, because this is human nature that uh, we're dealing with. I want to get back to something that you said earlier. Um, Was Netanyahu personally involved in the creation of Hamas, and how did Israel create Hamas as a buffer to the Palestinian authority with which it was having difficulty getting along.
1: I'm not an expert on it, but it it appears that um, they uh, helped fund it and they worked with the Qataris to help fund it. And of course, Qatar is, um, well, well, we have a base, we have a big Air Force base in Qatar, but um, Qatar is also uh, kind of the safe house, safe home uh, and financial supporter of Hamas. So, um, and, the, and the Israelis worked with, worked with them years ago to, uh, to kind of balance out, to have two parties for the Palestinians instead of just one that they didn't like. Um, and, and Netanyahu himself was involved in this earlier on when he was, uh, uh, a pr- he's, he served as prime minister several times. So one right. of his earlier trials. Um, You know, a lot of things make sense when you don't take in all the information and you think that you are never going to have to pay for your mistakes, um, if if you're uh, arrogant and you think you can draw out how the world should work, you do a lot of things, and then when they come back to bite you, it's like, how did this happen? Well, it happened because other things happened before that. And this, like you said, this overreaction to some extent, if it if it is a slaughter, if it is a uh, turning uh, Gaza into a parking lot, uh, that will have that will have a. a an equal and opposite reaction, and it will be a global one. More and more, uh, we see uh, a global response because we're all connected. Um, and there are many people who, in this age of, uh, I think, soft-heartedness, perhaps you know, we, we call it uh, what? What do we have? Wokeness, and you know, everyone has a place. Well, guess what? You know, the Gazans don't have a place right now. And um, a lot of people, if it goes on and if it if it isn't restrained and it if it isn't within the rules of conflict. Uh, a law, rules of war. If, if it violates those principles, many many people in the world won't see it as Israeli Palestine. They're going to see it for what it is, which is a slaughter of innocence. And they're not they're not innocent, of course, from the Israeli perspective. But that's how many in the world who don't understand any of the history they're going to see this and they're going to say, you know what, that's not right, and it isn't right. But um, the whole world uh, will weigh in on this and. Uh, I think Israel has to look to see what is good for Israel in the long run, and I think to be more rational, um, to be more focused in what what they're doing, and I think they have to admit uh, some of the problems. If they created, if if Netanyahu was party to creating Hamas, you know he might need to own that, um, or it'll get owned for him, and uh, it'll be used as a as a dagger against him, as they as they remove him permanently, and he may end up in jail as a result.
0: Right. Right, right. Um, I want to play for you. We've been playing this the past two days. It's, in my view, very profound. And maybe you've seen it. If you have, my apologies. And to our viewers, my apologies. But I'm uh, I'm anxious for your thoughts on this. This is President Putin giving an off the cuff, no notes in his hands, about a minute twenty second long analysis of American foreign policy failures in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we can see a sharp deterioration of the situation in the Middle East. I think that many will agree with me that this is a clear example of the failure of the policy of the United States in the Middle East, which tried to monopolize the resolution of the conflict, but unfortunately wasn't concerned with finding compromises acceptable to both sides. On the contrary, it promoted its own ideas about how this should be done, put pressure on both sides, first on one side, then on the other. Every time without taking into account the fundamental interests of the Palestinian people, bearing in mind, first of all, the need to implement the UN Security Council decision on creation of an independent sovereign Palestinian state. One of our writers, uh, Aaron Erickson, says uh, Putin, as usual, is the only adult in the room.
1: (laughs) So true. And he. uh... Well, he understands, he's, he understands the history he knows, as most people in the world kind of do, um, the U.S. Uh, relationship with Israel. You know, in America, sometimes we say, oh, Israel's the dog wagging the tail or the tail wagging the dog. But in Israel, they think it the same way that we are telling them what to do. We're pushing them into this or that. Um, and so by picking a side, which we have chosen a side, just like he said, um, we've approached it as if we will mandate a solution. And I... I do think it's interesting to hear President Putin talk about um, self-determination and the rights of uh, minorities. I like that. Uh, He appreciates that. And this is certainly an example right in our face.
0: Has American foreign policy ever substantially or materially taken into account the rights of the Palestinian people in in the modern era and the post-47 era?
1: No, I don't. I don't see that, that they have. And I know even the way we're taught about the Palestinians. Um, first off, there's a substantial minority of Christian Palestinians. I learned that when I was like 50 years old. So um, that's not that's not communicated widely. Um, there's a sense that they are just uh, people um, they very much fit into the stereotype that we're hearing, this very negative, uh, uh, unworthy type people. That, that's what is broadcast over in the United States. So it's understandable that Americans don't really know uh, what's going on there, and that is po- by a, that's a matter of policy. That is a matter of American policy. Uh, we pick sides, we choose winners, and we make the rules. And we make many, many mistakes and errors when we do that.
0: Last uh, subject: uh, How will uh, this conflagration affect the United States' involvement with or interest in the Ukraine war?
1: <laughs> well. The interest in the Ukraine war has already dropped, and uh, we just saw the Germans step up with a 1.1 billion in aid to kind of carry the Ukraine war through the winter. Um, I think the big thing will be uh, looking at it in terms of uh, all the weapons that leaked out, all the uh, soldiers and mercenaries and other people who cause problems throughout the world. Connecting from the Ukrainian war where we've been funding them and then finding some of those weapons, which it looks like we may uh, in in the hands of Hamas being used against our ally, which is exactly what we've seen numerous times uh, in the past when we've aided, we've picked a side and we've sent weapons in. So um, I think we'll learn more about that. I don't see Americans becoming reinterested in uh, Ukraine at all. In fact, this this is actually, I'm sure this is Zelensky's worst day and not because he's Jewish. I think it's his worst day because he realizes, you know, he's not gonna have center stage and and he, now he has to compete with our best ally for weaponry.
0: Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Kwiatkowski, thank you again, as always for your insight, uh, deeply appreciated by uh, the many, many viewers and commenters and certainly by me. We'll see you again next week. Thank you, Karen, all the best.
1: Thank you, you too.
0: Sure, Uh, more as we uh, get it. Let me just make sure, bear with me, that I have the schedule right here. Yes, Professor John Mearsheimer in just a few minutes at three o'clock Eastern and at four o'clock Eastern, uh, Macko, how did all this happen? How will it end? More as we get it, Judge Napolitano on judging freedom.